Welcome to the Purse Podcast. My name is Jana Hlistova, and we are changing the conversation for women about money and investing. I'm super excited about my guest today, Shelley Kuypers. Shelley is building the world she wants to live in. As an activist in business, entrepreneurship, and investment, she is hell-bent on defeating the status quo one project at a time and replacing it with options that are more equitable, feminist, and ecologically sustainable, hence driving greater value for both business and the consumer. She's the co-founder of financial feminist platform The 51 and sustainable direct-to-consumer clothing brand Harris Kuypers, all in addition to championing the entrepreneurs she has chosen to invest in. Shelley loves to travel for business and adventure, but also questions the sustainability of it all. In fact, she knows it isn't. When on a break, Shelley finds herself reveling in nature with family and friends in Canada. Now, we cover a lot of ground in this conversation, but I ask Shelley to share how she initially got started on her own investing journey. We talk about female founders and how they're designing and building the world they want to see and why women investors are so crucial in the process. Shelley shares with us how she set up the financial feminist platform, The 51. And we also talk about impact investing and why this is something that women are so interested in. Shelley shares some of the tips for women who want to invest. And we talk about why community plays such a big part in learning and engaging so much more as an investor. Now, don't forget, you can sign up to our weekly newsletter, jointhepurse.substack.com. It's aimed at women who want to be smart about money. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Shelley, thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's really early in Canada. It must be something like eight o'clock in the morning. It's about three o'clock in London. So thanks again for getting up so early on a Sunday. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. On your website, you say that you're passionate about your business. You care deeply about the impact you create in the world. And you've identified four driving forces, two of which are finance and feminism and investment and activism. Why do you care deeply about the impact you create in the world? I was mulling this question earlier. I think for me, it's really, it's kind of like, what are we going to do? I think if we're going to spend time doing stuff, then why not focus on impact? I'm very purposeful with my work. It's not a casual endeavor for me. So I I dive in deeply and I just go for it. And yeah, that's just the way I work and believe really strongly in the things that I stand for and how I champion them. So people can't hold me back, which is okay. I'm comfortable with that. You're a financial feminist a very, and I love that term, uh, a very active investor in startups. And you have now launched a financial platform aimed at women called The 51. Before we get into that, I'd love to know how you got started on the journey as an investor and why you've decided to focus on the female market. 
Yeah, the start of my investment is very different from what it is today. So I had an opportunity to have a great early career. You know, I had an opportunity to make significant amount of money for my age in the oil and gas industry. So directly working in oil and gas, and then I worked for a software company that was delivering to the energy market did really well financially and I started to invest. So, you know, I was the youngest of my friends to own a house and the youngest of my friends to have an RRSP. And then ultimately, you know, I probably became the youngest of my friends to invest. And the very first significant investment that we made, and it was my husband and I, we actually went into an oil and gas company, um, which is kind of weird because It's not something that we stand for at all today, but it was a new company, lots of risk. And in fact, you know, kind of halfway through that investment, we thought we would lose it all. And it wasn't a lot of money, but it was all of our money. And so we took a huge risk and that would have been back in like 98. And then from that point on, my husband and I, we just became very invested investors, meaning that we would select something to invest in and we would go all in, which is extremely high risk, but it's kind of benefited us. So we're not investors that kind of, you know, spread our money around. We go, what do we want to invest in? We get actively involved in that investment and then we go hard on that investment. So that's kind of the backstory there on when I got started. But if we kind of spin forward to today, it's very different. I had an opportunity to be an entrepreneur many times over, and on one of my entrepreneurial ventures, the opportunity to go out and raise money, which was a very disconcerting exercise, very disheartening, very discouraging in the way that I went out to investors here in Canada and the U.S., in particular on Sand Hill Road, and I met with some investors down there. And the questions that you get would just be very interesting. It would be like, Do you do this full time? Do you have children? And it would be like, really? Those are the questions that you're asking me. You're not asking me about my business. Mm. And kind of at that same time, there was a friend of mine, Alice Reimer. She had a technology company. I actually invested in her and helped her with her business. And kind of at that same time, there was a point where we were out on a road trip. Um, I remember it clearly because we were... I can't remember if we were at the back of the bus or the front of the bus, but we were on a road trip eating red licorice. And we said, wouldn't it be cool for there to be a fund just for women? Mm -hmm. That was probably about 12 years ago. And so it was always an idea to address the inequity of investing in women. And so, you know, the 51 is is definitely uh, addressed at that. And if you think about the trends that you're seeing now with regards to female wealth and women investing, what would you say they are? What are the trends that are really interesting for you? Great question. I think probably the most interesting thing to me personally is how women are innovating across all categories, all industries, all verticals. So I think while we could be slightly enamored with businesses that are disrupting, you know, kind of the consumer area, like what are we using? It could be, you know, buying clothes from a female designer. It could be buying, you know, makeup from a female entrepreneur. 
I think what's most interesting is that we're seeing entrepreneurs innovate across everything. And we kind of have this saying at the 51, which is, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And so we're starting to see, and I think the stories are now being told. I think women were doing this a long time ago and the stories just weren't told, but we're seeing women innovate in healthcare, in medicine, in energy, in technology, in many different categories. And so for me, that's probably the most interesting. It's like women are designing the world that they want to see in all regards, Um, whether it's the things that we consume every day or whether it's the things that are super important to us, like our healthcare. We have one entrepreneur in our portfolio, Sandy Dunn, and she's got a molecular solution for breast cancer. And, you know, she got her start in that because her family had breast cancer. And so she embarked in creating a solution and a cure for it. Um, Super smart woman. But I mean, again, I think women are saying that the solutions that are maybe being proposed to us in different categories aren't good enough. So I'm going to change them. I'm going to innovate that category. I am going to change what we consume and what we rely on as women. And what I find really encouraging is that there is so much wealth now in the world that women own. And certainly in the UK, I think about 60% of all wealth will be owned by women by 2025. What's exciting is that women, as you say, are designing the products and services that they need for themselves. Yeah. And their family, right? You know, a big part of that is we've been the caregivers, right? We've been doing the work that's not necessarily on the balance sheet that's not being recorded as GDP. You know, we look after the kids, which means then we're responsible for their well-being. We look after our parents, which means we're responsible for their well-being. So I think the view that we have as women is so broad that I think we have the lens to change everything, right? I think that's what's super exciting. That's right. And I think also The money is now flowing into women's ideas, women's businesses, and there's been less competition in female-focused products and services, so it's likely to bubble to the top. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think, again, if we go back to the 51, you know, we bunked against the system Mm -hmm. for a long time. You know, we would talk to the guys and we would go, you know, how come you're not investing in more women? And then, you know, they would reveal to us that, They had very few female investors in their fund as well, right? So I think it's a dual problem. I think you have money coming into the traditional system that's very male-focused because that's where the money's coming from. And then you have the lens of the money going out of the system and being invested in, which is very male-focused. So I think you invest in what you can see and what you understand And so what we decided at the 51 was to address that, not by trying to change the existing system, but to create a parallel system that said, what if we activated female capital for female entrepreneurs? Would we invest in very different things? We believe that we would, and we are. What's really exciting now is that we are having, you know, men signing up or, you know, people that identify as male signing up into our fund, into our investing because they know that this is underinvested asset class that's that's overperforming with the capital mm. that they have. Absolutely. 
Now, women are often described as the driving force behind social impact or impact investing. And it's obviously very relevant for today's world. Why do you think women tend to be a lot more interested in investing for social good or social impact? And I'm not saying that men aren't, but they're definitely the driving force, aren't they? Yeah, we have a holistic view when we're doing things. And again, I'm I'm not being discriminatory. I'm not saying, you know, women do this and men do this. I just think women have a propensity that when they do something or when they act or they when they want to do something, there's a broader view there. And so I think maybe it started as impact investing and it's continuing to be impact investing. But if you look at many of the businesses that women are creating, it's both impact and financial. So there's the marriage of those two things happening by design inside of many of these organizations. So how can you do good? How can you drive social impact, whether it's how you deliver to a community? What's your planet responsibility? How are you responsible to your team or to those that benefit from your product and service? But then how can you also make money doing that business or building that business? So I think the real power is in the combination of both the financial and and the social. I completely agree. I think we've always tended to assume that if you're investing for, for social impact or social good, that you're sacrificing revenues. And I think we're seeing that actually, whether it's your business that has a social impact focus, or even more broadly, if it's an ESG fund, the outperformance is there. And I think there's going to be a shift in how we talk about these things. And there isn't a trade-off as much as potentially people have previously thought. Absolutely. And I think there's ESG. And then I think we will see EDI playing a stronger role in everything that we're doing too, right? So how are we driving equity, diversity, and inclusion across everything that we're Mm -hmm. doing? And I think there will be even more return by embedding that into our businesses and our companies and our organizations. So I completely agree. The singularly focus on maximum return to shareholders at all costs is not the mission that I think women are on. And so we really have an opportunity to redefine the future of business, the future of capitalism, and subsequently, you know, wealth will be created. And then I think women will be doing very different things with that wealth. You know, we often hear at the 51 when we invest in in an entrepreneur that they can't wait to be an investor in the 51. So it will be circular. Women will come back into the system once they have created that wealth and they will reinvest it back in other women so that they can create their wealth. That's very powerful. Now, female entrepreneurs still access a very small percentage of funding, as we know, for their startups. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can speed up the pace of change globally? Because we have been talking about this for quite some time, haven't we? A very long time. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are those that are taking on the challenge of changing the existing system. I think there are those that are, you know, maybe radically opposed to the existing system. And then I think there are those that are building a parallel system. And so I think all three of them have a role in changing these statistics, but it has to change on both sides again. I think you have to be getting your money from a different source. 
And you have to be making a conscious decision to be investing in something that's different than you. So I think it comes on the capital side and it comes on the investing side. That's how it's going to change. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I mean, it hasn't changed. I think it's what, 2.8% globally. Canada is sitting at 4%. Mm -hmm. So we're slightly higher. But again, I think it will change by more women investing and more women being invested and it being a conscious exercise across the system, across, you know, new systems and new organizations that are starting. And then, you know, we're going to continue to need the really strong activists to go, this isn't good enough and continually pushing us to, to change. Yeah, that's so important. I love the word activist. And it's true, we need people who are constantly pushing for more, constantly pushing for better, because you have the vision, don't you, of a future that is different to what it is today. And being satisfied with the status quo is just not good enough. It's not good enough for women. Mm -hmm. Investors, it's not good enough for female entrepreneurs. And that's why the work that you do, Shelley, is so important. And I'd love to talk more now about The 51, which you co-founded. It's a financial platform which connects female wealth with female entrepreneurs in Canada. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, how it works, and obviously what you hope to achieve? We're a very young organization. So we designed in 2018. There was a road trip down south with the three co-founders, including myself, and we came back from there quite discouraged, and we were like, okay, we have to do something. And so we kind of quietly plotted what we wanted to do, but we came out with our first event and kind of came out with the 51. It was in March of last year. So we're still very young. We decided to just get to work. So we didn't have this massive plan and everything worked out and this is the way it was going to work out. We literally just got started. And so we had an event in my kitchen, actually. Um, (laughs) That's where a lot of these businesses start. Yeah, exactly. And we invited our immediate network. So I think there was about 75 women in the room. We brought an entrepreneur into the room. And the entrepreneur actually was an American entrepreneur. She was from New York, Lindsay Taylor Wood. She's the founder and CEO of The Helm. We got her to stand up on the coffee table. I don't know if you call them that in the UK. (laughs) And asked her to tell her story. So no pitch. And so she told her story. And it was quite interesting. You know, some women in the room were like, why are there just women in the room? And, you know, why are we making this an exclusive thing? And we tried to reiterate that we weren't. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to bring awareness to the issue on financing for women. We wanted to bring forward the issue that Women weren't seeing themselves as investors. And we wanted to put a female entrepreneur in the room to kind of challenge all of our thinking. That was the intent of the exercise in the event. And so we had a very different reaction from different women in the room. Some women were just like, this is amazing. I'm in, like, what can I do? I would love to invest in this entrepreneur. And then other women were kind of repelled by the idea of what we were trying to create, which is very interesting to us. But ultimately, the entrepreneur in the room, Lindsay, she raised half a million Canadian from the women in the room for her raise. Great. Yeah. And so, you know, it didn't happen in the room that night, but, you know, she made those contacts. She was fundraising at the time and, you know, she raised some capital from the women that were in the room. And still today, we're hugely 
supportive. We're champions of Lindsay and, and active investors. So that's kind of how we got our start. And then, you know, we did the next event and the next event up until COVID. We had our last event, I think it was at the end of February. And that was our biggest event ever. We had, you know, 200 people at that event. And the event topic was how to fundraise like a woman. So we brought a woman in to come in and speak with our group, which is predominantly women. We have men that attend our events now, which is great. But Andrea Dreger from Azure Capital said, you know, I'm going to walk you through how you should raise money as a woman. And so it was our, our best attended event. We've got a community now of about 4,500 that we've touched over social media, over our events and our mailing list. Mm-hmm. We've invested in 18 companies, just over 6 million. We've got a few more investments that we're working on. We're working on closing one by the end of the month, and we've got a few more behind that. We're continually investing in, in more entrepreneurs. And how have we done it from the actual investing side is when we initially started, it was just us individually investing directly in an entrepreneur. So I had invested in Lindsay. Others had decided to invest directly in Lindsay. And then we kind of moved forward over the past year. What we then started to do was kind of co-invest, which means we would pool our money together and we would go, let's all go in as a single investor into this business And let's call our investment the 51. So we started to put the 51 on the cap table. And that was a very intentional exercise for us. Mm -hmm. We wanted the 51 to be an investor on the cap table. Because what we knew would happen is people would go, well, what's the 51? And so it was part of spreading the word around what we were doing. And now we've just left launched our fund. So we're raising money for our very first fund. We have had extraordinary response from our soft launch, you know, kind of everyone that we've talked with has said that they're in. And because we're in Canada, we have a unique situation where we can, in addition to the private capital that we raise, we can seek matching capital from different government agencies, both provincially and federally, that will also participate in the fund. And so we hope to have our very first fund closed by mid-September. But we will continue to do the co-investing part of what we're doing, as well as launch the fund investing. And for us, this is just the very first fund. We have many more funds to design more broadly around this. In fact, we'd like to focus on different segments of the population within the 51% over time. So, you know, if we could launch an Indigenous fund or an LGBTQ fund or Black Lives Matter fund, Like all of those opportunities are kind of looking and staring at us and we want to be able to to activate them. What that will require from the 51 is that ourselves, we need to become more diverse. Um, You look at the 51 today, we're supposed to represent 51% of the population. We're a very white team. And so we've kind of called ourselves on that and said, you know, if we want to invest in the true diversity of 51%, we're going to have to stand behind that and create vehicles to make sure that we are doing that. How do you select female investors and which startups to invest in via the platform? Yeah, I think it's it's two ways. So on the co-investing side, what that means is that, again, we pool our money together. And so what that requires is somebody in our in our collective going, I am going to invest in this entrepreneur. I believe in this business. I think it's an extraordinary opportunity. I believe in the entrepreneur. 
I'm in. And so that means that somebody in our community puts up their hand and says, I am going to drive this opportunity. Who else is in? And so we go through kind of a due diligence phase, which is, I would say right now has been quite organic. It's been based on the capabilities and expertise in our network and designing and championing around that. And then sometimes what we've done is we've kind of piggybacked on other due diligence that other investors into that investment opportunity have done. So again, you know, the 51 is very much cooperating with other investment vehicles. We're not competing, which is great. And so this one investment opportunity we're going to close by the end of the month, we're actually sitting side by side to other investment vehicles in Canada, which lead from a female perspective, both on the capital side as well as on the investing side, which is great. And so that's kind of how organically that's happened. But we've just brought on an investment director onto our team, Lisa Oldridge. And so Lisa is now getting us organized around what is our investment philosophy? How do we articulate it as well as our investment criteria? And so going forward on the co-investing and on the fund side, we'll have a, a much more rigorous process, even though we will definitely want to still tap into kind of the network expertise and the championship that we have. That's a huge part of the 51, again, is taking investing away from those that have maybe made it an exclusive sport to highly democratizing it across our community. So women with varying experiences and expertise can see something and go, this is relevant and meaningful to me. And yes, we can make a lot of money by investing in a business that delivers a solution or this product. We want to have both, right? We want to have the structure and the organization and the process and the governance coupled with the really strong, powerful community and network that we've built. That's amazing. I read about your recent strategic partnership with the Atlantic Women's Venture Fund, who I think are raising $20 million. Yeah. I, I suspect they're one of the partners that you referred to there. Mm -hmm. Are you exactly. happy to share a bit more about that partnership? Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely is a partnership between Atlantic Women's Venture Fund, who's just gone through a rebranding. They're now called Sandpiper, which is so cool. <laughs> but we're just the start of the partnership. So we decided to kind of put the stake in the ground, but the partnership will be national. It will be with many other organizations. And we designed Canada 51 very specifically because, again, we wanted to get back to this word of cooperation instead of competition. So we know the statistics in female investing, both on the investing and the capital side. We know it needs to change, but we also know ourselves at the 51, we won't be the only solution. We will not be the only solution that changes all of this. So the whole purpose of Canada 51 and what we started with Sandpiper was to go, okay, we invest in female entrepreneurs and so do you. Let's partner together and let's activate all of the groups across Canada that do this both from the capital and the investing side and work together as a collective and a cooperation where we can share investment opportunities. That's quite a logical place to start. And we are already doing that informally, which is great. We want to bring forward awareness around the gap in investing as well as, you know, women as investors and women being invested in. You know, many Canadians still don't know the statistics. In fact, you know, when we called ourselves the 51, many people didn't even know that women made up 
51% of the population. That's where the name came from. So we're really trying to focus on educating and awareness around the problem. You know, we have a unique situation in Canada where we have lots of government support for what we're doing. But again, what we want to be able to do is to work nationally together around changing policy. And so instead of there being 12 organizations or 15 organizations going to the federal government going, this needs to change, we thought, well, if we all banded forces and said, we are a corporation, we are a national partnership, and we all go to the federal government and say, these are the things that need to change in our systemically discriminatory system. And these are the programs that you need to activate. This is the money that you need to deploy in these programs. We thought we would be much more effective. So we have about five strategic pillars that we've defined in the partnership. And those are three that I've just stated just now. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. There are women out there, as we know, who have the funds. They've never thought about investing, certainly not in the startup ecosystem. How do we encourage more of these women to invest and, and, you know, obviously education and awareness is, is one of the ways and joining a network like the 51 is another. Can you think of any other ways to encourage women to start on, on this journey? You know, I kind of see it as a bit of a continuum. So there are those of us today that are active investors And like you were talking about, you know, 60% of the wealth in the UK by 2025 will be owned by women. So for us, the 51 is the long game strategy. So there's those of us that are investing today, but over the next five years, we're going to have many women coming on board, you know, first being aware of the challenge and the opportunity. And so we want to be able to develop an experience that gives women the breadth and the space to go through this journey. And you're exactly right. Like we talk to women every day that we might say, hey, here's an investment opportunity. And they'll go, yeah, you know, I will give it to my husband and to our investment manager and we'll see what they have to say. And we're like, but no, like you can actually make this decision, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we know that there are women today that don't have the means to invest, Um, We want to be able to activate those women in different vehicles so that even with small amounts of money, maybe on a non-accredited basis, they can participate in a community experience to learn about investing. And then we also want to create experiences where there are women who have the means where they will come into an experience where they will learn how to invest by doing. So I think that that's been, again, a really strong principle of the 51 is let's not talk about what we're going to do. Let's do what needs to get done. And so as part of the fund model that we're rolling out, we have three different levels for participation, one level being really accessible. And what comes with that level is an experience over the next three years, because it's a three-year commitment to put that money into the pot, into the fund for three years running we are going to give you an experience where you will learn how to do this type of investing. And you will have directed access to women around you that are investing, that are just like you learning how to invest, have access to the entrepreneurs, and then have access to our investment committee, for example, who has lots of experience in investing. So it's really an experiential exercise where women can learn, gain confidence, do recruit others, 
have access to these entrepreneurs so they themselves can be inspired about, you know, what they can do. So our community today is made up of what we call accredited investors, which means, you know, you can invest in early stage investing, entrepreneurs that we've invested in or that we're considering to invest in, as well as the aspiring group. So those that are aspiring to be investors and those that are aspiring to be entrepreneurs. And then just those that are more generally financial feminist supporters. So we, again, are looking to bring down all of the barriers possible around learning how to invest and learning how to see other entrepreneurs so that you yourself, if you have an entrepreneurial venture inside of you, that you will be surrounded by role models that allow for you to actualize or to visualize what you want to become. Mm, That's wonderful. As you were talking there, Shelley, I was thinking about the importance of community in doing this and engaging more women. Historically, women haven't talked about money and investing. The ability to step into a community where it's so normal, you ask questions that relate to money or investing, whatever that may be about, and you have women who know how to answer that question, who have the experience and who are happy to share And you don't feel alone in the experience. And I think that's been one of the things that have held women back. They feel alone in Mm -hmm. this process. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what you're doing is definitely creating that that community, which you can plug into, but also you're plugging into all that wisdom and knowledge, that working kind of experience, which is so, so vital. Exactly. And I think, again, it's applicable to all women and to all men. I think, again, you know, the education component or the experience component, there's no destination, right? Mm. So, again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an environment where, you know, there are no stupid questions. Mm. I'm still learning every day. You know, sometimes I'll be like, what does that mean? I don't know that term. So, again, I think, again, it's not about creating levels of knowledge and power but again democratizing that and saying you know if we can get this education and this knowledge and this wisdom into many people's hands we can distribute power around this topic and around this opportunity so we're trying to create a very comfortable environment for women and for men Mm -hmm. Um, and we're getting men signing up which is fantastic that's fantastic yeah it is it's so good I love it and again you know maybe not all men will be comfortable walking into that room and participating. Just like, you know, I think, and I don't know if you have this experience, but I have where you walk into another boardroom that's all men, right? And you kind of work up the courage to do it just one more time. I think, you know, if there are men that are comfortable walking into a room that's predominantly women, we want them there, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that that demonstrates a specific characteristic that you know, you're willing to surround yourself with the different perspective and different experiences. So I think it's great. Women's communities tend to be a lot less about the ego. It's a lot more about the connection and being open to learning. And you make the decision to be part of something like this. And it's because you really want to learn and then apply yourself, hopefully, right? So exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to change gears a little bit. I always ask my guests these questions about what they're specifically excited about in terms of investing this year in 2020. And then if you're happy to share in general terms, 
how you personally choose to invest your money? For me, there's so much investment opportunity. We talk to so many entrepreneurs, you know, every week, every day about the businesses that they are creating. And I am in awe of what I see, you know, the businesses that are being created and the entrepreneurs embarking on them. So I think what am I excited about in terms of investing in 2020? I'm like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) women are redesigning everything. You know, we are truly designing the world that we want to see. So for me, it's a collective viewpoint where I'm really inspired every day. There are women in the 51 portfolio that I just think, wow, they have done so much during this time of COVID, you know, being super capital efficient, you know, pivoting, coming up with different strategies to maintain their customers, to grow their customers. So I think I just want to activate more of my capital for the women that we've been working with. And then you know, beyond that, if I look at the entrepreneurs that are coming into our community, they're, you know, they're in our pipeline per se. I hate that word, but <laughs> again, just super, super impressed with women. I think women are really coming into their own. I think all of the barriers and, and all of the limitations that have been holding women back, I think are coming down, which is great. I would say you know, just like I held myself accountable, you know, many years ago to look across our own personal family portfolio and go, where are all of the women? I think I would like the 51 to do the same thing now and go, okay, look across our portfolio. Where's the diversity? Um, Where are the black women? Where are the indigenous women? Where are the women of color? Where are LGBTQ allies? Like, where are they in our portfolio? And we need to be actively designing and purposeful about our own diversity in our own community. So for me, I would say that's probably what I'm most excited about is go, this is going to be a challenge for us, but we have criticized the men for many years. Now we need to be held accountable to that same criticism and we equally need to make change. So that's a very long answer to your question, but I would just say it's, what are we seeing? I'm just like, wow, like I'm in awe and I think it's astounding. It's fantastic. And then, you know, the diversity, we need to work on that and we need to work on that like now. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. And in terms of how you personally invest your own money, I mean, obviously you're an angel investor and, and you've, you know, you've got the 51, so you invest in startups. Do you invest in any other way? We're on the public market side. You know, we've been a champion and a, an investor of Shopify. So there's a business that has done extremely well. They're a Canadian company. Not that many people know about them. I think more people do know about them now but they're the anti-Amazon. So I love them. Mm -hmm. And I love the story behind Shopify. So I would say, you know, that's one of the investments that I'm really proud of. But I think, you know, I go back to Lindsay Taylor Wood at the helm and, you know, she really played a pivotal role in my female investing lens. You know, I found Lindsay on social. I had an opportunity to meet her in New York, her and her colleague, Julie. And you know, they've been hugely inspirational to me around the opportunity to invest in women. And yeah, so that would be another one that I'm I'm hugely proud of. 
Amazing. Are there any women investors that you admire? I mean, you mentioned Lindsay there. Are there any other women investors who inspire you every day? I'm just so proud of the 51 and the women that are part of that community. Mm-hmm. And I look at all of them as being either investors today or future investors. And so I'm just really inspired by them. So yeah, that would be my response. Wonderful. Now I've got a few more questions. What, what would you say to female founders who are raising capital right now? Obviously, COVID-19 is a difficult time. I mean, it has been for the last two, three months. And there are female founders that are raising capital. What would you say to them? I would say seek out the investors you want. Don't waste your time with investors that will just give you money. So be really purposeful in your investing. I mean, in building your investor collective around you. And I would say just don't compromise on that. So go after who you want. Be purposeful around the investors that you want, knowing that it's going to be much more beyond the capital that they will bring. And then look at that pursuant of that investor as a long-term relationship. So, you know, you can kind of say different things like, you know, would I have that investor over for dinner? Or could I be on a long-haul flight with that investor? All of those questions you need to ask yourself, like this is a long-term relationship. And so kind of have to look at it as a bit of a, a marriage per se, in that you are bringing them into your business and they need to be there in the good times and the bad times. So I would say, you know, that would be my advice is go after who you want and then, you know, build a long-term relationship and really assess whether or not, you know, that's the, the capital and the partnership that you want. I think that's phenomenal advice. And what would you suggest to women who want to engage much more around their money and investing, but are short on time because they're homeschooling, for example, or the money is, is tight right now, given given the pandemic? I would just say learn. I would just say read. There's so many good podcasts. There's so many good events right now during the pandemic. And I, I hear you. You know, women are juggling a lot. You know, they might be working and doing homeschooling and looking after the kids and there's no childcare and money is short. But I would say be curious and learn in the time that you have. So it could be books, it could be podcasts, it could be events like, you know, the 52, we run events every two weeks and they're very different in nature. And it's just an easy way for women to come in and learn some aspect of investing or entrepreneurship, which is great. But I would just say, be curious and and keep learning. That's wonderful, Shelley. I want to say thank you so much again for today. And just everything that you've shared with us resonates so much with me. And we need to be doing all of this and, and so much more to help the cause around women investors and female entrepreneurs. And obviously, you're playing your part and some. So again, thank you. What's the best way for listeners to find you or connect with you online and, and with the 51? You can find me, I think, on most social channels. It's just Shelly Kuipers, Shelly with an E. And then the 51 too, it's just 51.com. And you can reach out to the 51 at hello at the 51.com or you can reach out to me directly, Shelly at the 51.com. I did live in London for six years, so... 
I've got some UK experience in me and yeah, I would love to hear from your listeners. That would be fantastic. Awesome. Shelley, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me online at Join the Purse or you can subscribe to our newsletter, jointhepurse.substack.com. Until next time, goodbye.